Hi there, it's Bill Woods again. I wanted to talk to you today about what I think is very important on how to determine what we ought to do, what we should not do. I've entitled this, The Truth Shall Set You Free. Let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, I'd pray today as we go through this podcast that it might be to your honor and glory that you'll help us, Lord, to understand the importance of allowing you to have every area of our lives. And I pray as people listen that your word will, will penetrate their, their lives and that, Lord, you'll hide me behind the cross when I speak. I speak for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who workers of lawlessness. John chapter 8 Verses 31 and 32, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, today there are so many voices shouting at us from every direction, trying to say, go this way, go this way. How do we distinguish what is true and what is leading us into the wrong way? Uh, the problem is many of them seem logical and well-informed. For instance, many preachers and churches on TV promise that they have the answers that you need for your life, and most of them say if we will donate to them, we will earn a blessing from God. Well, how can we discern the truth? How can we know who's really speaking God's word and who isn't? Not everything taken at face value is trustworthy, no matter how good it seems. A sincere person can certainly be led astray. I hear people say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere in your belief. That is a dangerous doctrine because I may sincerely believe a lie that could end me in hell. Years ago, Marty and I attended a pastor's retreat at Holden Village, Washington, located in the mountains above Lake Chelan, Washington. It's a beautiful place to be at, and it's an old mining site or old mining camp that has been set up as a retreat area. It's isolated from the hectic humdrum of everyday world, a place to really step away from life's constant demands and reality and really relax. You know, uh, you, you have to go across the Lake Chelan on a, a boat, and then they have buses down there, and they put you on a bus. They drive you up this, this mountain road, rickety road, really, and they take you about 8 or 10 miles up the road until you get to this little village. And what a picturesque place it is. At one of the evening meals, they serve fried chicken, mashed potatoes, a vegetable, and hot rolls. On the table was a gravy boat filled with a delicious-looking liquid that I assumed was chicken gravy. I poured that rich gravy all over my mashed potatoes and scooped up a big bite to thoroughly enjoy that, that taste. What a surprise! Immediately I had a taste sensation like I'd never experienced before. That beautiful gravy was actually lemon sauce that was put there to eat 
on our dessert, the cake they were going to bring. Talk about a rude awakening for my taste buds. I am colorblind and often have the thrill of sincerely eating something that I anticipate will be delicious, only to find it's not what I thought it was going to be. It's something entirely different. You know, no matter how sincere my eyes lead me to believe my taste buds quickly made the correction. I, just because I was sincere in pouring what I thought was gravy on the potatoes did not make it a taste delight. Just being sincere in what you believe is not enough. If you're sincere about the wrong things, you're on the wrong path. The same goes with our Christian walk. You must be sincere about things verified by God and in the Bible. There is so much heresy being pushed today that, that won't lead you to heaven, but will drop you right into hell if you go that direction. I encourage people who hear my sermons to verify what I am teaching with the God's Word, the Bible. Go and check it out and see if I've used the scripture correctly. Any teaching that cannot be verified in the Bible is wrong. When we lived in Pullman, Washington, Marty provided quite a lesson for us, uh, you know, to say that sincerity is not always dependable. She had washed the blankets from our bed. One of the blankets was a dual-controlled electric blanket designed for individual comfort on those cold winter nights. She made the bed, making certain we each had enough blankets to be covered up and be comfortable. That night, she got cold and turned the temperature control on her side of the blanket up for uh, more warmth. I felt a little too warm and turned the temperature control on my side down. She kept feeling cold and kept turning her controls up even more. I was baking and kept turning my controls down. I had to have relief. Finally, about 3 a.m., I threw the blanket off and jumped out of bed, panting, and, and I, I said, oh, I'm, I'm roasting. I was glowing red and looked like a Thanksgiving turkey coming out of the oven. She was still over on her side of the bed, shivering from the cold. Something was very wrong. We found out that she had plugged the controls into the blanket backwards. She was controlling the temperature on my side of the blanket, which made me turn her side down, and she baked me, and I froze her. However sincere she was when she plugged it in, it was not right. She was sincere. The controls on the bed were, were reversed. The results were still wrong, even that she was sincere. You can't always believe what you see. You could easily be led astray. When I was in high school, I, I went archery hunting with a friend of mine. His name was Harry Watson. We trudged through the woods, hoping to find a deer to bag and take home. We came down an incline covered with trees and, and broke out into a clearing. Somebody had made camp in that clearing. There was a deer carcass hanging from a branch on one of the trees. Uh, they they'd had the fortune of, of having good luck that day. There was a folding table by the tent where they were staying. On the table was a camera. Nobody was around. I don't know where they were. And so I went over and uh, took the camera and stood with my bow and arrows next to the dead deer looking like a mighty hunter. And my friend Harry snapped a picture of me posing with that deer. 
Then he went over and posed with a deer, and I snapped his picture. Then we left the camera on the table, and we resumed our hunt. I've always wondered what the guy who owned that camera thought when he developed the film in his camera and saw those two weird kids posing with his deer. If you looked at the picture that was developed, you would naturally assume that my friend Harry or I had been successful in our hunt. That wasn't true. We got nothing on that trip. The truth is, you can't judge a situation by just what you see. There are mega churches that have compromised the gospel and are leading their congregations right to hell because they aren't preaching God's truth. You might see crowds of people flocking to those churches and assume, well, they're hearing God's word and are excited about serving the Lord. Truth be known, often they are following a charismatic preacher that's more interested in feathering his own nest than proclaiming God's message of salvation. I heard one of those pastors in Texas, when he was interviewed on TV, say that he didn't preach about sin or judgment or hell because he wanted his people to be happy and that kind of preaching might upset their psyches. Don't you think not hearing the truth and ending in hell might upset them, their psyches even more? I, I used uh, these illustrations to warn you that Jesus said in Luke 13.3 and Luke 13.5, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. If your church is not preaching that the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ and that you must repent of your sins and confess your sins to Christ and accept him as your Savior, then it is time to find another church. John 14:6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't matter how sincere your pastor is or how charismatic he is or how much his congregation loves him. If he is sincere and teaching the wrong things, he is leading you down the wrong path to destruction. If your church teaches the wrong theology and credits anyone else besides Jesus Christ for providing salvation, I suggest you find a church immediately that preaches the word of God. John 8, 31 and 32 said, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It cost God too much for us to be careless and miss the way. Hear God saying, my son died, don't you care? I read an article that I, it really touched me, an illustration. It says, the day is over, you are driving home, you tune in your radio, you hear a little blurb about a little village in India where some villagers have died suddenly, strangely, of a flu that has never been seen before. It's not influenza, but for three or four fellows are dead. Uh, and it's a kind of interesting thing that they're telling about. They're sending some doctors over there to investigate it, try to find out what this sickness is. You don't think much about it. But on Sunday, coming home from church, you hear another radio spot. Only they say it's not three villager, villagers, it's 30,000 villagers in the back hills of this particular area of India, and it's on TV that night. Fox News runs a little blurb 
uh, people are heading there for, with, from the disease center in Atlanta because this disease strain has never been seen before. By Monday morning, when you get up, it's a lead story, for it's not just India. It's Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, and before you know it, you'll be hearing this story everywhere, and they have coined it now as the mystery flu. The president has made some comment that he and everyone are praying and hoping that all will go well over there. But everyone is wondering, how are we going to contain it? That's when the president of France makes an announcement that shocks Europe. He is closing their borders. No flights from India, Pakistan, or any of the countries where this thing has been seen. That night, you watch a little bit of Fox News before going to bed. Your jaw hits your chest. When a weeping woman is translated from a French news program into English, she says there's a man lying in a hospital in Paris dying of the mystery flu. It has come to Europe. Well, panic strikes. As best they can tell, once you get it, you have it for a week and you don't know it. And then you have four days of unbelievable symptoms. Then you die. Britain closes its borders, but it's too late. Southampton, Liverpool, Northampton, and it's uh, Tuesday morning when the President of the United States makes the following announcement. Due to a national security risk, all flights to and from Europe and Asia have been canceled. If your loved ones are overseas, I'm sorry, they cannot come back until we find a cure for this thing. Within four days... Our nation has been plunged, plunged in the unbelievable fear. People are selling their masks for your face. Some are talking about what if it comes to this country. And preachers on Tuesdays are saying it's a scourge of God. It's Wednesday night and you're at church prayer meeting when somebody runs in from the parking lot and says, Turn on the radio! Turn on the radio! While the church listens to a little radio with a uh, microphone stuck up to it, the announcement is made. Two women are lying in a Long Island hospital, dying from the mystery flu. Within hours, it seems this thing just sweeps across the country. People are working around the clock trying to find an answer, an antidote. Nothing is working. California, Oregon, Arizona, Florida, Massachusetts. It's as though it's just sweeping in from the borders. Then the news comes out. The code has been broken. A cure can be found. A vaccine can be made. It's going to take the blood of somebody who has been infected, somebody who has not been infected. And so, sure enough, all through the Midwest, during all those channels of emergency broadcasting, everyone is asked to do one simple thing. Go to your downtown hospital, have your blood type taken. That's all we ask of you. When you hear the sirens go off in your neighborhood, please make your way quickly, quietly, and safely to the hospitals. Sure enough, when you and your family get down there late on a Friday night, there is a long line and nurses and doctors are coming out and pricking fingers, taking blood samples and putting labels on them. Your spouse and your kids are there too. 
and they take your blood type and say, wait here in the parking lot, and if we call your name, you can be dismissed and go home. You stand around scared with your neighbors, wondering what in the world is going on, and, and that this is the end, of, is this the end of the world? Suddenly, a young man comes running out of the hospital screaming. He's yelling a name and waving a clipboard. What? He yells it again. And your son tugs on your jacket and says with a grin, Daddy, that's me. Before you know it, they've grabbed your boy. Wait a minute. Hold it, you say. And they say, it's okay. His blood is clean. His blood is pure. We want to make sure he doesn't have the disease. We think he, he's got the right type. Five, five tenths minutes later, out comes the doctors and nurses crying and hugging one another. Some are even laughing. It's the first time you've seen anybody laugh in a week. And an old doctor walks up to you and says, Thank you, sir. Your son's blood type is perfect. It's clean. It is pure. And we can make the vaccine. As the word begins to spread all across the parking lot full of folks, people are screaming and praying and laughing and crying. But then the gray-haired doctor pulls you and your wife aside and says, May we see you for a moment? We didn't realize that the donor would be a minor, and we need, well, we need your, to sign the consent form. You begin to sign the form, and, and then you see that the number of pints of blood to be taken is, is empty. How, how, much, how many pints are you going to take, you ask? And that's when the old doctor's smile fades, and he says, We had no idea it would be a little child. We weren't prepared. We need it all. But, but you don't understand. We are talking about a world here that, that, that needs this cure. Please sign here. We need it all. We, we have to have it all. But, but can't you give him a transfusion? If we had clean blood, we would. Can you sign? Would you sign? In numb silence, you do. Then they say, would you like to have a moment with your son? You go into the room where he sits on a table saying, Daddy, Mommy, what's going on? Can you take your hands and, and say, can you take his hands and say, Son, we love you. We would never, ever let anything happen to you that didn't just have to be. Do you understand that? When the old doctor comes back in, he says, I'm sorry, we, we've got to get started. People all over the world are dying. Can you leave? Can you walk out while he's saying, Dad, Mom, why why have you forsaken me? And then next week, when they have a ceremony to honor your son, some folks sleep through it. Some folks don't even come because they go to the lake. And some folks come with a pretentious attitude. My son died. Don't you care? Is that what God may be saying? My son died. Don't you know how much I care? Father, seeing it from your eyes breaks our hearts. Maybe now we can begin to comprehend the great love you have for us. Amen. There is a infection. There is a disease that will kill 100%. And the whole population, unless they repent of their sins and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, are going to end in hell. 
There is a solution. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that's been shed for you and for me. His blood was perfect. He had no sin. There was nothing that, that was sending him towards hell because he is the Son of God, the only one that can redeem us. And I'll tell you what, if you want the cure, if you want to know that your name's written in the book of life and that you've got a home in heaven, you need to bow your head, ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to be your savior, tell him that you want to live for him and live like he wants you to, and then trust him to be your Lord and God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll help today as I've tried to bring forth this this thought that how do we know what's sincere, what's really true? And Lord, I guess the only way is to go to you and to your Bible and ask for your direction and know that the only solution for the sin problem that we have in the human race is a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Help those that are listening today to know that if they've not yet confess their sins to you and ask you to be their savior this is the time to do it our world is literally blowing apart we know it won't be too long until you come for your church we want to be ready speak to our hearts and use us i pray in jesus name amen thank you so much for listening if you would like to get in touch with me you can call me on the phone 623 eight four five two seven four one or you can send a tax a text message under that same number you could write me a, a letter and send it to box 4031 sun valley arizona eight six zero two nine or you can take a chance and, and send an email i get so many i miss some of them i know but uh forgive me if i do try again it's lowercase R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. God bless you. I hope that uh, you know Christ as your Savior. I hope that you know that you have the cure for sin. And I hope that you will meet me someday in heaven where we can rejoice over what God has done for us. By the way, I will be preaching at First Baptist Church, Holbrook, Arizona again tomorrow. We would invite you to come. I, I would appreciate that very much. God bless. Bye-bye.